Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ryan. So before we start uh, this morning, I wanted to just share with you uh, about what's going on uh, with the Ukraine and and Russia. Uh, As we've been hearing in the news, uh, world leaders are saying that the uh, invasion of Russia into the Ukraine is imminent, but the Lord knows. We don't know. There's a lot of going back and forth, and and, um, but it does bring to remembrance the reality that in the last days, Russia is going to play a big part in prophecy. Ezekiel 38 tells us that in the future, uh, Gog and Magog, the Russia is going to go into the land of Israel to uh, invade or try to invade. And, and the reason is for power, is for resources, and... Um, so it brings that to mind. It says in Ezekiel 38, verse 10 through 12. That's Ezekiel 38, 10 through 12. Shall we turn? Let's turn, let's turn there. Ezekiel 38, verses 10 through 12. Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind. This is God, this is, you know, God's word to Russia. In the future, thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land. And so that's the prophecy of Russia in the future will go up against Israel with, of course, a coalition of Muslim countries, uh, Persia, uh, Libya, Ethiopia, Turkey. They're listed there in Ezekiel 38. It has never taken place. It's a future event. And to see Russia behave this way, and, you know, the history of Russia and the Ukraine is a complicated one and it's a long one. The Ukraine used to be part of the old USSR, the Soviet Union, and it gained its independence in 1991 and the world acknowledged the Ukraine as an independent country. But the Ukraine land-wise is huge. It's the second uh, largest uh, area of land of the European country. So it's Russia, then them. So they're a, a, a big uh, country uh, area-wise. 
Uh, to the north of them is Belarus. To the left of them, the west of them is Poland. And to the south, uh, east of them is Russia. But beneath them, they have the Black Sea. If you look at a map of the Black Sea, most of the northern part of the Black Sea is in the Ukraine. So you talk about resources. You talk about uh, Russia, you know, expanding their GDP. If they invade, they're going to have, you know, uh, financial, economic, military benefit, oil, all of that right away. And in the 80s during the Cold War, you know, we were pretty frightened as a country whenever Russia made a move. The USSR back then, you know, was, was so powerful that when they made a move, everyone jumped. Well, not so much anymore. And so Putin, you know, for whatever reasons he's going in there, he wants to, Russia to be that again. When they make a move, the world jumps. And you know the United Nations will do nothing but, but slap him on the wrist. And that's the world we're living in. So who knows whether he goes in or not. But it, it brings to remembrance the scriptures that God has given us of the future. As Christians, we should know the signs and the times that we're living in. Because they're happening right before us. Jesus in Mark 13, 35, 37. That's Mark 13, Verses 35 through 37, he says, Watch ye therefore, for you, not, you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. And so the Lord would have us to be watchful. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. We'll be beginning in verse 21. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And give me an amen once you are there. And Father, we do come before you again this morning, grateful for your love, for your grace and your mercy. Oh, you are the God of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, we are so grateful that we have your word to guide us, Lord. But we cry out for help this morning. As we study it, Lord, give us uh, insight. Give us uh, understanding to what you would say to us, Lord. You know the hearts of every individual here and those watching or listening. We do pray that you would speak to all of our hearts and that you would change us. Bind the enemy in his lies. And speak to us now by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Together we say, Amen. So, two weeks ago, we were in the book of Romans. As you know, Paul is writing to that new church in Rome that he had not visited. But he desires greatly to visit them, to impart uh, godly wisdom to them, to be edified, uh, to... to you know, further uh, encourage their faith. And uh, after his greetings and, and, and his letting them know his desire uh, to, to, to go visit them, he says to them that the just shall live by faith. And then he begins with explaining to them uh, God's wrath on all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. He gets right into a Christian fundamental truth that the world that is rejecting of God 
is suppressing the reality of God in unrighteousness. And that's a, that, that is a fundamental Christian doctrine, that the world is suppressing the truth. In other words, everyone knows out there that there is a God. Everyone knows deep down inside that God is real. They're just suppressing it. They don't want to believe the truth. And they don't want to believe the truth because they don't want God ruling their life. They don't want Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. They want to live simply the way they want to live and have bought into the lie of the devil that tells them that they can live their life the way they want to and they don't have any need of God or anybody else telling them how to live. That's the state. And he, he shares this with them. He says that, that those in the world uh, refuse to believe the truth of God's existence, though they have the capacity to mentally perceive the revealed truth of God. They have the capacity to mentally uh, uh, perceive the reality of God, uh, but they refuse to do so. And he says that the state of mankind without God is one of unrighteousness, one of ungodliness. He said that they are without excuse because God has shown them the true the truth of himself, for it is manifest in him, is what he said. Manifest in them. Not in him. In him too, but in them. Okay, I'll repeat that. Paul said that they are without excuse because God has shown them the truth of himself, for it is manifest in them. In the human experience itself, God has revealed himself to everyone. Think about it. The maternity ward in a hospital. Whether a person is just or unjust, whether a person has received Christ or hasn't, when those babies are born, both the wicked and the just rejoice. You know, wicked men weep over the birth of their children. There is something so divinely special that it hardened criminals weep and know deep down inside this is a miracle. You think about the love in the human experience. With, amongst family, amongst friends. People love each other. Whether they're just or unjust, there's love. There's care between family and friends. Um, between us and our pets, there's love. Where does that come from? God is showing himself. He's manifesting himself in the human experience, in the human touch, that God is real that he should be uh, thanked and blessed. God's invisible attributes and his divine nature are seen in our humanity. And then Paul goes on to say that nature itself reveals uh, God to men. As we touched on two weeks ago, just the vastness of the heavens, the grandeur of the earth, all the beauty in this world. In nature, I love to travel to see the, the, the beauty in nature. 
we were in Yosemite a, a few years back and just cruising into that valley floor and seeing the Dome of the Rock and El Capitan and the waterfalls are just stunning. You know, I was able to jump in the Merced River with the kids and, and the wife and we were just rejoicing in the, in the honest of God's creation. It's his handwriting. It, it shows us there. We've been to the Grand Canyon as, as most of you have traveled and seen various beautiful places nature itself when we see how crops grow from nothing when we feel the gentleness of the rain or the warmth of the sun's rays when we feel the warm sand underneath our, our toes everything speaks when we hear the birds singing God created it all Man is without excuse. They know deep down inside that something bigger than themselves, their creator, loves them and made them. That's the truth. That is a Christian fundamental that we need to, to learn and know. When you're sharing the gospel, they're suppressing it. They already know deep down inside. All you got to do is do a little planting, a little watering, but it's deep down in there. They know it. But we better know it because the Bible tells us that they know it. They're suppressing it. They don't even know they're suppressing it, but you can tell them, you know you're suppressing it? I know you know. I, you know what I'm saying is true. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And it says here in verse uh, 21, they are without excuse because although they knew God and that word to that they knew God, it means that although they perceived God, they, they were able to perceive that God is real in all of his invisible attributes, in the human experience, in nature itself, although they could perceive him, they know deep down inside that he is real. They knew God. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. darkened. So they did not thank God. They did not glorify God. It's as if being given the most amazing provisions in your life, which we all have received, food, clothing, drink, generally most of us birthday parties, cake, dessert, good things, cucumber salads, pizza, tacos, tacos. <laughs> You know, there's just so many good things that the world has experienced and they don't even care to thank him. The world, they're lost. We were lost like them. But even in the world, they have manners. You bless somebody in the street who doesn't know Jesus from Jesus, you, you, you give them something to eat or, or her to drink or her some clothing, some food, some money. What are they going to say to us? They're going to say thank you. And yet the world does not thank God, even though they perceive 
that all the good things that they are enjoying, because it rains both on the just and the unjust, they don't thank them. And what happens? It says here that their heart, their foolish hearts were darkened. They, they become darker. Your heart can become harder and darker. And that's what happened. They, their hearts were darkened. Verse 22, it says, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things, professing to be wise. Paul is giving a, a, a truth here of the world, especially the more arrogant, the more prideful, the more profession of self-wisdom. And we live in a world where, where, where through the media, through social media, I mean, it is a constant barrage of lecturing of how we ought to live our lives by the elitists in our world. Whether it's Hollywood, whether it's the bankers, whether it's the media, whether it's the politicians, whether it's some of the scientists and some of the medical field. I mean, everyone knows how we should live. Everyone, you know, presumes to have the answer, professing to be wise. And there is an elitist attitude. You know, the sophisticates, the, you know, the intellectuals of our societies. Don't get it wrong. If you listen to them enough, the intellectuals believe that because they have a degree, they have a right to tell other people how to live. They have worked their whole lives and they couldn't wait to get that so that they can tell their family and friends, look what I have, I have my degree and thus I, you know, I'm like the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz. I got a brain now. And I can tell everybody how to live. And you see this. It, it's, it's nauseating to me. And um, what used to be intimidating to me, you know, uh, isn't anymore. They don't intimidate me. The Bible says at the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so these men with all their answers, these doctors, these scientists who tell us what is right and what is wrong, they do not know what is right and what is wrong. God does. They do not know better than God. God does. And what God says is right is right, and what he says is wrong is wrong. But people are suppressing his truth because they want to do what they, if you want to do what you want to do, you got to suppress God. You have to. Can't just live however you want. I was talking to a friend. Uh, I remember a conversation having with a coworker, you know, trying to witness to him, young guy. And I, I told him, "Well, then, who tells us what is right and what is wrong?" And he goes, "Well, we do. We, as a society, decide." Okay, see that house? That guy thinks one way is right. You go to the next house, and that guy thinks another way is right. You go to the next house, and they they think that the other two guys were wrong, and they're thinking it's all relevant. Because we're fallen human beings. And it's relevant to whoever you ask. What is right? What is wrong? And if you want to suppress God's truth, you go to the people who give you the opinion that you want to hear. That's how we work. And you get enough people with enough degrees, with enough lab coats to tell you your lifestyle's okay, you're okay, you're fine, it's cool. I mean, growing up, you know, as a young man, I was living in sexual immorality like everybody else in my neighborhood. That's what, you know, you know, kids in high schools were doing. Where I'm from, it's just, you know, all over the place. 
And you'll be surprised how many families had no problem with it. How many moms and and uh, grandparents just let their kids use the house. Use, you know, it's, it's, there was no, you shouldn't do that. You should wait till you get married stuff. Just wasn't. But you get enough adults to tell you it's okay. Then you think it's okay. Then you get saved. And the only adult in the room is God. And he says it's not okay and it hasn't been okay. And your mom and maybe your dads and maybe your grandparents and your aunts and uncles were wrong. They should have not let you been out by yourself all those years. God's good. What can I say? For a Sunday morning. Uh, it feels more like a conference sometimes when I'm preaching. I don't know. I feel like it's just... But it's a heavy uh, you know, subject. It's the sinfulness of man. And so... Um, Professing to be wise, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You know, just m- mankind will worship anything and everything. You know, whether it's four-footed animals or creatures. You look around the world, people worship crazy things. You know, the tree God, the, the moon God, the the few times I spoke to my real father, he's Hawaiian. He said, well, my God is the shark God, so when you're surfing, you'll be fine. <laughs> you can add, you know, four-footed animals, uh, birds, and fins. <laughs> but that's how people are. It's an exchange for the incorruptible, beautiful God who loves us into things who, that cannot help us. All right? You can wear a shark tooth necklace. You're still going to get bit by a shark if it's your time to get bit by a shark. But people are superstitious and, and, and you know. But on a, on a greater level, the, the reality is people aren't going to have little, little gods like that in the in the in the sophisticated world of the United States and and first world countries but if you watch their lives long enough they're worshiping something and if they were forced for just a day to carry a little statue gold silver or wood that spoke to what they truly worship i wonder what it would look like it would probably look like them it would probably look like them. And that's what the Bible says, does it not? Concerning the idols of men, it says in Psalm 115, verse 4 through 8, their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses they have, but they smell not. They have hands, they handle not. Feet they have, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat that they that make them are like unto them, so is everyone who trusts in them. That's Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. They who make them are like them. Their idols, their self-worship, what can it do for them? Could it save them in the end? No, their souls are costly. And no matter how many good works they do, no matter... No matter what, how they, oh, um, climate change, social justice, environmentalism, you ought to, you ought to. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ought to give your life to Jesus Christ, we say back. You ought to give your life to Jesus Christ. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And stop telling everybody how to live their lives because your soul is going right to hell if you don't repent. Their idols are useless. Their fame, their money, their intellect, it's useless. The wisdom of man, the Bible says, is foolish to the Lord. It's foolishness. What does it matter? What does it matter in the end when they have to face the Lord? Therefore, God also gave them up to uh, uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.